Welcome, everybody, to episode 73, if my count is correct. I think it is. Of Draft Politics. I'm your host, Steve. And with me here, as always, it's EJ. I'm here. We're here. We're together. It's been a while. This is our first podcast indoors. Yes. I think. Since the pandemic, yes. Since the pandemic. Yeah, we'd, we'd done yeah. it before. It's been a yeah. long time. Yeah, it's been a long we're time. Indoor. We're indoors. We're indoors. It's safe. fairly spaced out. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, we're, There's we're nobody good. near us. We're, I, I believe we're both triple vaxxed now. I, I, yeah, I'm like pinhead. I'm, <laughs> I'm yes, getting I'm all the like, vaccines. Like, in fact, I might go get a fourth vaccine dose <laughs> after this because why got the hell not? Yeah. We're in a privileged I'll, country. I'll I can it. do that stuff. I'll take it. I did actually get booster vax and flu shot on the same day. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Couldn't lift my arms the next day. I yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I did not want to do that. Uh, yeah, and I found like with the the Moderna booster, uh, like the the it's like about three days that my arms just like feels like somebody hit me with a bat. Mm-hmm. Like okay, and then just sort of like middle of the afternoon, the third day, it's just like oh, it doesn't hurt anymore. And I'm cool. Fine. And I'm fine. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, that's our that's our healthcare update. Yeah, uh, exactly. Although speaking of Moderna, if you don't listen to Andy Slavitz in the bubble. He's got an interview. It's a great podcast. Andy Slavitt, healthcare advisor, couple of presidents, fine. Um, he's got an interview with the CEO of Moderna. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. It's mm. fascinating talking about the development of mRNA and how that's happened and production of the vaccine. Uh, it's, it's about an hour and 30 minutes long. So if you listen to us, then you're used to terribly long podcasts. But it's really, really good. It gives you some, some insight into that. Um, I recommend it for anybody who's interested in that whole thing. Indeed. It gives you some good talking points and also perspective on what's happening with, you know, Moderna vaccines being available in rich countries only, you know, and why is that? And, you know, how was it able to, they were able to come out with it so quickly. Um, Did they talk about beer? No, that was the big problem with it. I, I listened through the whole thing and I was like, come on, man. Well, come on. You know what? We should talk about beer. We should talk about um, beer. Where so are we? <clears throat> we are at Urban Brew Labs, uh, which uh, recently opened their tap room. I don't remember how long ago, but like a few months ago, I feel like it's probably about right. Um, I actually walk up and down uh, Ravenswood, which is where this is located pretty regularly. And so I kind of saw them getting ready. Uh, if you're familiar with the former uh, Koval uh, distillery little uh, tap room, that, not tap room, but like a tasting room, that's tasting what it was. Room. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that used to be located here, but then Koval moved uh, further south that back to big ass space. Big ass space uh, where they actually do their distilling down there. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I didn't realize actually that this was the former Koval space because I'd been here a few times. Yeah. When it was Koval, but I just didn't mm-hmm. connect it, and so mm-hmm. we're pretty close. We're just south of Foster, on the you know on Ravenswood, but on the eastern yes. corridor. Yes. If we're outside, we'd hear trains going by constantly. But which uh, is our infrastructure. You know, we'll tie into our infrastructure discussion later. There you go. Um, and it's really close to Empirical as well. Yes. Yeah. Like nice. if you went the other side of the rails, right. uh, yes, you'd be at on the Empirical. On the wrong side of the tracks. Yes. The or we on the right side. I don't know which side of the know. tracks we're on, but we're on the, well, I know we're on the east side of the tracks. Right. But I mean, can we talk is about the, the wrong side? equity implications of the right side and the wrong side of the tracks? We could. I, but not as well as Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation. <laughs> True. True. Also. Booty, booty judge. Yes. <laughs> booty judge. Is it? Wait, is tomorrow National Happy Hour Day? No, today is National Happy Hour Day. Oh, wait, hour. today is National Happy yes, Hour yes, Day. Yes, yes, yes. So wow. welcome, everybody. It is National Happy Hour Day. Wow. Who knew? 
Who knew? Who who comes up with this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. But it, is but there is like it a committee? Is this like a subset of like 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 the the people who pick the Nobel Prize winners, and then like they also decide what days have special days? Maybe it's like the B leagues, right? Like the minor leagues for really important things. You kind of come up through there. So it's okay, like so you start off with like picking out, you know, what day is going to be National Play-Doh Day or whatever, right, or National French Dip Day. National French Dip Day, which it also is National French Dip Day. Also today. Also, where the hell's Arby's? In well, how, I mean, how does that work? Are they they're sharing a day? Like, but see, they're minor days. Oh, okay. So, so you have minor multiple days. minor days. Yeah, so I you can, can absolutely like, so you can't have like Labor Day and Veterans Day on the same day. Right. Because that wouldn't make any sense. Also, Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day. So there you go. All kinds of days going on today. Your father's a veteran, right? Air Force? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Anyway, that's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> so so, that, so, so what, well, and so we're talking about beer briefly. What yeah. are you drinking there? Uh, uh, I am drinking... Uh, the Hazy River New England IPA. You know, to two things. One, I'm still holding on to summer. I don't care. Wearing a t-shirt. Um, two, it just looked very good. Uh, the, the bartender said it was amazing. He's right. Super good, light, crisp, hazy IPA. Um, I can't see through it, which is how I like my hazies. Um, I also like the name, Hazy River. There you Makes go. me want to sing it like uh, Old Man River from, him, from the musical. What okay. have you got there? Uh, I've got the Control-Alt-Delete, and as you might guess, the alt part is uh, what's key here is an alt beer. Mm. Um, so if you're familiar with the type, it is it is a delightful yeah. example of an alt beer. So yeah. it looks uh, very like good. like a kind of a, a little bit darker, a little bit of that kind of. How's the malt? How's the malt in there? Malt level is quite lovely. Quite lovely. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It looks good. It looks good if you like dark beer. I wasn't in a dark beer mood. Yeah. Um, definitely in this this sort of hazy kind of shade of winter yeah also they have uh they have like guest beers too from other breweries it looks yeah, I like i saw an so. Eris cider up there yeah and it looks How like they had we not been to Eris. we have been have we yes. oh very early on yeah that's been a while it's been a while we should go back there we should go back uh so anyhow uh we should probably talk about politics uh, since we, that's we nominally what this podcast we is should. about and if you hear <laughs> at least me trying to stay away from politics it's because there have been a couple things one I've tried to take a little bit of a news diet because there have been lots of other things going on. And two, I don't know how, but it's felt like more existential dread this year than like 16 months ago. I don't know why. I think you're forgetting what 16 months ago was <laughs> like, sir. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was. Maybe I was. Maybe politics-wise. You, kind of, you just kind of blocked out the abuse that was the news cycle back then. Yeah. Uh, because now it's not, you know, we've got some really good things to talk about, but I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's not about there's some current dread. It's about, like, next November. I'm oh, afraid next, for next, next November. Next November's going to be a shit show. Right? I'm already, um, I'm, already in, I'm already in next November fear. Yeah. Um, so, with that. So, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, lots of heavy stuff's been going on that's, you know, foreboding. Like, it's important to just kind of take a step back. Try to have a little perspective on things. Deep breaths. You know, have have a beer, smoke a joint, whatever's your 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 substance of choice or no substance if that is also your choice. Also um, and just relax and uh, yeah. So uh, let's let's get into it, shall we? Uh, 
first topic that we will cover extremely briefly, yeah. just because it just makes us angry, Rittenhouse. Yeah. I, I, well, I think there are two trials that are going on right now in the U.S. that are worthwhile to know about. I don't know that it's good to, to follow them closely because it's just hard to follow these things, but the, the trial of Rittenhouse in Wisconsin um, who killed folks last summer, 17-year-old, killed folks last summer at the, the, the unrest. And then Ahmed Arbery um, in Georgia, the trial for, for him. He was an a African-American man on a jog, um, pursued and shot to death uh, by two guys there. Both trials going on. It, it, is, it is hard to watch anything about either of them. Um, I will just simply say that they seem to reflect the justice system that we've, we've yeah. known that we have, and I use the justice part of that in enormous quotes. So, uh, All I need to say, all I, I'm just going to put out there, is that in the Rittenhouse case, the judge's cell phone rang yesterday, and it was the same song that Trump walks out to in his rallies. Just a data point. God save the queen. Sure. <laughs> Definitely not queen. So, yeah. anyhow. Uh, in brighter news, in not, not brighter news. <laughs> so, well, election night uh, yeah. 2021, which yeah. uh, we did not have any sort of electoral activities uh, here locally. Uh, but true. there are various uh, states and cities around the country that uh, decided they would have a weird off-year election. Hey, um, lots of people do them. Yeah, and we do it, and we do a weird off-year election for ours. It's just not this year. Um, So the big one was Virginia, Um, and if you you probably know by now uh, that uh, Terry McAuliffe uh, managed to lose the uh, governorship in Virginia. Um, I can't say as I was terribly terribly surprised by this. Honestly, I was kind of surprised he won in the first time. Yeah. And, um, and, and remember, so Georgia ha- or Georgia, Virginia has term limits, sort of. So you can only run a certain number of times, and then you have to take a break and then come back. So McAuliffe was governor before. He's not the outgoing governor, and so he was coming back. Okay. So that's strange, but... It is strange. Yes. But, you know, they chose him as the least offensive white guy. Well, apparently he was not unoffensive enough. Uh so yeah, so uh, so yeah, so Democrats don't control the Virginia governorship anymore. Now, history of the governorship in Virginia is that it frequently changes to be the opposite of whoever has just won the presidency. Yeah. Um, so this kind of just follows that trend. So it shouldn't be that surprising. Uh, Youngkin uh, was the Republican here. Uh, who won. Uh, Trump endorsed him presumably because he thought he was going to win and wanted to kind of ride that. Um, As far as it goes, Youngkin did appeal to Trumpers when he was in the primary. He somewhat kept a distance from Trump in the general election. Um, And a lot of the conversation there was around education. Um, Critical race theory was one of the things that came up. But also there was just a lot of like, there were a lot of issues with just like how COVID was handled in the state and how the economy was like, it is not, 
It's not a. It is not a good year for yeah. running as the you know nominal no. incumbent. No, and and remember that you know uh, Northam is the current governor. <laughs> Let's just think about the insane scandals that hit, right? Like Northam and the the lieutenant governor. Like the Democratic Party did not look great in the executive mansion there in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So not terribly surprising not terribly heartening right i mean you know all of us all of us folks who generally vote democratic are hoping for wins all the time but that's not going to happen um and i think it hopefully highlighted the work that still needs to be done all the time right yep the work that needs to be done okay new jersey actually did reelect Yes. Now, the thing to be a little nervous about there is that um, he won by a fairly large margin the first time and barely squeaked by this time. However, it's the first Democrat to win twice in a row in New Jersey since the 70s. So overall, that's pretty good. Um, Not much else to say there, Um, but, you know, good, good that he won. Uh, yeah, that's Phil Murphy there. Phil Murphy, Jersey. yes. If you're scoring at home. Yes. Uh, Boston elected the first woman and first uh, person of color uh, to be mayor of the city. So that's good. Yeah. And I, then there's Minneapolis. So Minneapolis had a few things, a few ballot measures. And I this is very sort of near and dear to my heart because I know some folks up there and I've been doing some I've been doing some personal work um, around that, right? So um, there were a few measures that had to do that were sort of in opposition to one another. Um, actually, what was really interesting about this is that they were trying to amend the charter to the to the city. So the charter stipulates a certain number of police officers based on the number of people in the city itself. And Which is kind of a weird thing to do at like, like a kind of constitutional level, but it, it is right. It is, and to get things, and we talked about this before. Yeah, you know, to be able to change that charter, it has to go through a charter committee, which is a bunch of volunteers, and then it needs to that needs to then get on the ballot, and you have to reach a certain threshold. Fine. So there were two sort of competing things. And they needed these competing measures to get it through the charter committee. The first was about, you know, essentially reshaping public safety in the city of Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say things like, do you fund the police? Um, Because that's exactly what they said, and that's why I failed. But, you know, it really was trying to reimagine what would happen with, with that. The other, and giving more power to the city council and sort of the, the people at large. The flip side to that was actually consolidating more power with the executive. And so you had these, these sort of competing things on the ballot. I think that they were designed to both fail, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way that they, had, they were negotiated through the, the whole process, people were kind of hoping then maybe they would both fail, you know, n- kind of keep the same, you know, the same status quo. And at the same time, there was a ballot measure about 
housing, right? Like rent control, one that would have been making huge news anyplace else, right? But nobody talked about it. It was like totally, totally under the, uh, under the radar. So, so what was interesting, what happened in the end was that actually everything we expected to happen kind of happened. <laughs> so yeah. ballot measure two failed, which was the, the, the police measure. Ballot measure one, actually maybe we didn't expect this as much, um, sort of consolidating power. So executive mayor and legislative council amendment, that actually passed. So the mayor's office will have more support. So did the rent control, though. So, Right, and so if you're looking at sort of the national news, you would, you would look at that and go, ah, clearly progressive politics is a dumpster fire and, we're all, and it's all terrible. But you still see a progressive thing passing there. And, and also I think it's important to recognize, like, the how things are framed matters and and if you look at actually what is happening nationally and the way we talk about these things like you know you see like in Illinois where we have you know reform cash bail and 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 things like that like there is a definite shift um it's easy for me to look at things in a somewhat optimistic fashion as a as a white guy but um at the same time, the pressure that has been applied is making change. And so not as fast, fast as we'd like, but it seems to be heading the right direction. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I am pretty, I, I'm pretty bullish on, on some of those things. Um, and uh, look, I don't, change is never going to happen as fast as people want it to happen, but yeah, the fact I mean, there, there are still folks, and and even in this election, outside of like little wins like this, um, there were a lot of flips in house races in states like Georgia that we don't really talk about because, and this is, I think this is very true of Democrats. We don't celebrate our wins, and we lament our losses way too much. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and I think ultimately what makes it hard for Democrats, we like <clears throat> what the way it's presented to us is, oh, we're, we're too fractious. We're, we're, we, we don't agree on things. And so we, we, we can't all get behind somebody. And so that's why we lose or, um, you know, or that we, you know, we, we don't, you know, election to election, we don't do the work. The reality of it is that the system is fundamentally imbalanced against us. And so we have to work that much harder yeah. to have success. Biden had to win by a tremendous margin to barely get control of the Senate, barely get control of the House, and, and barely win the presidency, too. Um, so we need to just sort of keep all that context in mind. Um, so what, what does consummate man of the people person who has the finger on his finger on the pulse of 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 the electorate writ large james carville have to say about this <laughs> uh james carville blamed stupid wokeness for the apparent failures on election night uh hey. here's a good another good quote uh they're expressing a language that people just don't use and there's backlash and a frustration at that huh 
Um, is he also so, uh, currently so advising I, I, Aaron Rodgers? Right. I believe I believe an, another quote from him was "Get off my lawn." That I'm, I may be misquoting him there, but um, it just drives me up on the wall when I see like. Like, he hasn't done anything actually real in politics in a very long time, and he gets dredged up by CNN because he's, I mean, frankly, he's an entertaining interview. Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. If he wanted to come on the show, we would have him on the show. Come on the show. Or, hell, rate us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or where the hell we're on now. Uh, But, you know, I mean, I think it's like whenever we talk about these things, it's important to understand the context for all the different people who are talking about it yeah. and and try to sort of set it against the backdrop of sort of the real history of things and recognize that, you know, Democrats did a lot to get the gains that they had last year. And so, you know, were they going to have the same energy going into the off year? No. 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 Hopefully we can uh, get things together for next November. I'm not optimistic, but you I know. am. I'm optimistic. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm one optimistic. of us is optimistic. Also, I'm out of beer, so I think I'm going to get. A, I need more beer. I think having more beer would make me more optimistic. Okay, let's let's take a pause. Okay, sounds good. Stay with us as we go get more beer. There you go. Well, we're back. Uh, I have a new beer. The lights are dimmer now. The mood's settling in. You know, uh, I draft politics I, after dark. Draft politics after dark. Uh, the days are getting mostly shorter. because daylight savings time is gone. But anyhow, uh, I got a barrel aged stout, and if you know barrel aged stouts, that means this is a strong beer. Uh, but it's uh, quite delicious. So I know the size options were small or full snifter, which I went with the. Full snifter, because I'm a moron. <laughs> but the rest of the podcast will probably be very entertaining, and yes. my optimism may be coming back exactly. around. Exactly. That's what we're really looking for here. We're trying to keep people optimistic. That's right. why we're going to talk about the climate summit. <laughs> we're all f***ed. <laughs> I mean, that was the tagline from the climate summit, right? So really, you, you know, this isn't something that just happens occasionally, right? It happens every year. That They're really... It, COP26, right? I guess last year was COP25. Presumably. Presumably. Um, so as, as sort of a, a, a backdrop on this, right? So we're there. We're in Glasgow, right? Glasgow? It was in Glasgow? I'm willing to believe you. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. People flying in from all around the world. Which is hilarious. Is like, like there was like... Twice as many people in the city as there are hotels, but you know, have you been to Glasgow? Uh, I have not been to Glasgow now. Love Glasgow. I've only been to London in the UK. Yeah, it's great. Glasgow is great. Okay, it's like Chicago. It is. It is very, very much working class. Okay, like you know, a little rough in places. Glasgow is great. Okay. You're likely to get headbutted there. Okay. Which I think explains why. Uh, See, I'm not sure I'm on board with that because I don't have hair to cover up where my my injuries are from the headbutting. But doesn't you matter. Know. You're less likely to get a, to get headbutted if you don't have hair. It's just a rule. Okay. Um, Did not know that. So we've kind of worked through it, and it's a it's a series of you know. I think these climate summits are you know lots of speakers, 
lots of sessions where you're talking about the problems, but a lot of back-channel kind of negotiations. What are we going to commit to? What are nations going to commit to? How do you influence yeah. people? And, and, and usually the way these seem to play out is like you get a, a you know, a, I don't know exactly. It's like two weeks, it seems, right? Like you get like a week and a half of like, oh, God, oh, God, we're going to die. And then somebody will come around at the end and be like, oh, here's an agreement that actually sounds like it might be helpful. Yeah. Uh, this time, uh, China and the U.S. have just announced a joint pledge to accelerate their Paris commitments. I don't know what that means. Lots of hand-waving, but they made a pledge, so cool. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate about that, though, is that it acknowledges the fact that the United States and China probably have the biggest, you know, joint impact on oh, things going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the U.S., it's mostly here. In China, it's less about China and more about where they invest money other places, right? So China has a whole program where they're willing to build coal plants everywhere as long as they get to build it, right? Because China's economy is based on growth. China's economy is based on con creating well, that growth and, and even when it should be Well, and let's be clear that, that as much as we think of climate, you know, there are contributions to climate in the U.S. versus contributions to climate in China, all the shit we're buying is made in China. So, you know... The, I had noticed. Yeah, as it turns out. Uh, Sweet so, laptop. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I know some people find climate boring. I find weather boring. Climate's interesting. Uh, climate's interesting. What do you think Joe Biden thinks of the climate? <laughs> he seemed to find it a little boring while he, he was there. He, uh... Here's the thing, you know, <laughs> folks, you're, you're in a room full of people. Somebody's yammering on about I mean, CO2 emissions. You've just flown over. It's maybe it's maybe just a little warm in the room. Of course it's it is. Like, <laughs> just kind of like you just kind of the just, whole globe is going to drift off a little bit. And I, I anytime you know, anybody I, over the age of 60 says they're resting their eyes. They're fucking sleeping. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't, there, Absolutely. There is no resting your eyes <laughs> yeah. apart from the rest of your brain. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, fine. The, we the, we the elected thing is, an old man as president. Let, we should expect him to sleep in sleepy situations. Let's get real here. Was his presence in that room awake, fundamentally changing the course of climate? No. Yet. No. Those speeches and all of that, like, there's a, there's a, there's a certain amount of show. There is a... I am here, and therefore it is something that isn't... Basically, right. it is showing that you got a slice of a very valuable person's time, and right. that's all it's that is. It's not like they just sent U.S. climate envoy John Kerry, who, insider tip, I may have run into and had a brief interaction with in the last several weeks. Cool. U.S. climate envoy. Cool. John... He had a very cool face mask. Oh yeah. He's also like six four. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. He's he's yeah. extremely tall. Yeah. It is weird that he did not win the presidency because he is he wins the tall Olympics. He does, he does. I, I he was he was much taller than I expected. Like I knew in the back of my mind he was tall. Um, but when he dunked over me Right. I, it was it was there was no even hoop behind me. That was the weird part. Yeah. But yeah, you know, like I said, it's it's the what happens on top is kind of for show, and then everything behind the scenes is where the work gets done. And I, I heard this really interesting thing on NPR where they were talking about the fact that the nations from the Pacific who, you know, are presumably most impacted 
by Tuvalu. Yeah, Tuvalu, for instance. Your .tv. Your .tv. <laughs> top level <laughs> which domain. Be, which will be the only thing left of them in a, in right, a couple like decades. But their representatives were less able to travel still because of the pandemic. Yeah. And so their impact was lessened, right? And so you've got this group of folks who are, you know, look, if, if the seas rise half an inch, sure, we lose a little of Louisiana, a little of Florida, shrug. But you could lose whole islands of, you know, of nations in the Pacific. The Pacific. So kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Greta Thunberg, who... You know, is has never some positive. strong opinions. <laughs> she does. Uh, came out very clearly saying COP26 is a failure. Um, well, you know, and here's the thing. If you if you ask anybody who's paying any kind of attention to this understands what's going on. And if you ask them, are we going to hit the one point five degree centigrade uh, goal that we have? And, and for context, if you don't follow this, 1.5 is sort of that difference between, like, kind of bad and, oh, my God, bad. Uh, nobody thinks we're going to hit 1.5. Like, so, you know, I, I think it's important as we talk about climate change, recognizing, like, we are making some progress in making things better. And, some of the, and all these pledges and whatnot are doing things to bend the curve. But we're running out of time very quickly. Bend the curve is triggering. Mm. Still bending that curve from March 2020. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I'll drink without a mask to that. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, but, but uh, yeah, so, I mean. It, it, they're small incremental wins, kind of like what we were talking about when we were talking about the elections yeah. a few weeks ago. Well, I was thinking about, like, the climate problem we have is not one that we like our politics isn't well designed to handle this because our politics, generally speaking, says, here's a big problem. Let's chip away at it. Let's chip away at it. We'll chip yeah. away at it. And, you know, and, and eventually over time, it'll get better. You know, I'll we'll form a committee to talk about forming a committee to talk sure. to the other committee. And and so that's kind of how a lot of our politics operates. Um, when you and have something, ours. I, I would think most. No, Western no, that's like, nations, like, right? I mean, like, it's just a matter of how much punching is allowed in your legislature is really the major difference. Um, and uh, the climate change is not not going to settle for that. Um, and if the the sooner that we start making major changes, the the better off we're going to be. And so we're going to miss that threshold, like we just are. And so. We can hopefully do some stuff in terms of, like, you know, bringing CO2 back out of the atmosphere. Maybe the technology improves to do that. But, like, it's going to be rough. Yeah, but humans are, for whatever reason, we're designed to be procrastinators, right? And so somebody always thinks, like, look, if I just do a little, somebody after me will figure out the actual answer. Right. right. Well, this is the best I can do. This is the best I can do. Like, I've got to get elected next year. I don't care about 10 years from now and... It's true, and I'll be dead before it gets. But too you know, hot. I suppose the the good thing though is that the public generally is becoming much more aware and much more in favor of changing things quickly. Um, and so, the more that that happens, the more that the politicians are going to respond to that because politicians do not lead; they follow. Generally speaking. Generally speaking, can we talk about 
building things back better. Can we talk about infrastructure? I like infrastructure. Uh, am I supposed to be optimistic? Uh, yeah, no. Well, hey. actually, you know, here, we're yeah. going to start off optimistic. We are. The infrastructure bill passed, everybody. So the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill has passed. Um, we're getting a good chunk of money towards fixing bridges and roads and things like that. Now, going back to climate, uh, it's probably a net negative uh, without the... No, thank you. We'd crush everyone, that's why. <laughs> Wait, we do, and we do. I did not know they had trivia here. They have Thanksgiving. So uh, something to just toss in here. Uh, Thursday nights, they have trivia here. Apparently. And today, it's Thanksgiving trivia. Every answer is candy corn. I just gave it away. I thought, everything, I thought every answer was stuffing. That's my, that's my Thanksgiving answer, everybody. Stuffing the More turkey. More stuffing. Stuffing the uh, turkey. But yeah, so uh, infrastructure bill passed. The, my main beef with it right now is that it's basically going to make climate change worse if it does not get the Build Back Better portion of things yeah. passed. All right. So continuing on an optimistic note. Well, well okay. Just, just let me, a, yeah. a, a, bit, a bit of note on that. So yes. here's, look, at, and I'm going to take this, right? The infrastructure bill was actually bipartisan, right? So yes, and that's a. I'm going to take that. I'm as very a excited by that. Really, I am. <laughs> well, well, here's why you should be excited because Republicans want to burn down everybody. You know, there are parts of the Republican Party who want to burn down everybody, every Republican who voted for it. So the more of that that happens, the better for oh, us. Oh, okay. I'm very, ex- I'm very excited by this. All of a sudden, yeah. yeah. Hooray, bipartisanship. I'm very excited, but like. Like, I, I think that there has to be that reckoning of there has to be that reckoning to be able to move on. Yeah. And this is the kind of reckoning like, hey, this is a it, it is a bill very similar to the one that Donald Trump said he wanted to support during his presidency. And Mitch McConnell said he wanted to support. And Republicans got lambasted for not being able to do it themselves. And now it's passed, and they're like, well, Donald Trump now said it's a bad thing. It's communism. So Right. And so you will have those people who, who are going to have to make that decision. So we look at representatives like Fred Upton in southwest Michigan, who's been a representative for a long time. You know, th- these are not liberal parts of the world, right? Yeah. They're going to try to primary. Like, they're going to do whatever they can get to get rid of him now because he voted for this infrastructure yes, bill. Yes, they, they need somebody even crazier. Yeah, then they're going to fail, right? Because and, and drawing those contrasts is important to move forward because people need to see how cult of personality things are. And that's why I am okay with what's going to happen in 2022 and... 2024. <laughs> anyway, but let's talk about the the framework. The framework okay, so agreement. so build build back better. So that's the the BBB. That's the more exciting part of this. Um, going to the climate side of things, that is going to make uh, far more impact to really help on that. Um, but there, let's to be optimistic. Let's I'm optimistic. T- let's okay. First of all, let's not talk about whether this is going to pass or not because it could, it might. 
you never know. But again, um, it's a framework, right? So frame. what's going to pass is like high-level framework. So conservative Dems in the House said that they'll vote for it if the CBO matches their expectations. So basically, they have an understanding with uh, the White House about what they think the cost is going to be and what the impact of the deficit is going to be. Though, given that it's part of reconciliation, that means it has to be deficit-neutral over the long run. So it's like, I don't even know why they're even having that conversation except for that's just how they do. Um, Manchin has not said he's going to vote for this. Um, and if I'm being honest, I don't think that Manchin is going to vote for this and it's all going to get tanked. No, but I think he's going to vote for it. Okay. Uh, I think somebody's what got are the, we, somebody's what are we, stolen the keys to his Maserati. What, what are we betting on this, sir? Okay, yeah, sure. Um Okay. Uh, a uh, growler okay. of the uh, winner's choice. Okay. Mansion votes on it. All right. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I say that Mansion does not vote on it. Sure. Okay. You heard it here first, people. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but you're an entertaining idiot, so I'll keep you. Uh, so let's talk about what's in it, though. Like, if this passed, like, today... Yeah. Uh, what kind of things would be in it, right? So um, there was a good article on uh, Al Jazeera's website like listing this out. It was the state of things as of November 5th. Mm-hmm. Who knows how accurate that is right now, but all kinds of cool stuff. Preschool for three- and four-year-olds. Head start. Free. Love it. Child care cost support for people who make under 300000 a year. Cap at 7% of income would free up many families working. But I, I, I put a bunch amazing. of notes here, and I'm just reading them off literally. I don't but need that's to. that's amazing. But basically, amazing. yeah, you, a lot of people have to make the choice of do I go back to work or do I stay home with kids because the cost benefit doesn't make any sense. But if we have a cap on that, then they say, okay, I can go back to work. I can. I, I, and I've been in that situation, yeah. right, where my wife got offered her dream job. And it would have cost us money for her to take it. Yep. And, and, and like anybody who says, so any conservative who says like, well, you know, people need to work more and you got to like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like, but you also have to have all the kids because you have to have a kid. You can, you're not allowed to not have kids. But the, the idea that it would cost you money right. to have a child tells you that the free market is not working. Yes. Yes. Uh, Anyhow, family fucking values, everybody. That's what that is. Uh, Extend tax credits for children. Also good. Which makes it sound like children are filing for for their taxes, but you know what I mean. Mine are. Uh, Expansion of free school meals. Paid family leave. Four weeks, which is... eh, But it's four more weeks than than you get now, so that's good. Uh, Manchin seems to have an issue with it because... He's an old dude, I assume. It is astounding to me that family leave is so controversial here. I, I like I, it's like it's not even contra- like things like uh, family leave and and paid uh, preschool is like even popular with Republicans. Like if you look at like seventy, these are things that are like seventy eighty percent popular. Like okay, it's not a popular with all Republicans, but like a significant chunk of them. Yeah. Uh, immigration reforms. So if you're an undocumented immigrant, came here before 2011, uh, you would be able to get work permits 
Uh, you wouldn't be deported. You wouldn't have a path to citizenship, but you could stay here and continue to work. Um, that feels minimal. Why 2011? No idea, but that's the number they've come up with. Uh, it seems reasonably it's 10 years better ago. than we got now. Uh, climate provisions. A whole bunch of incentives to get people to buy uh, things that you know are moving away from fossil fuels, You know, developing solar power, wind power, etc. Uh, extensions of uh, incentives to buy EVs as well. Instead of buy EVs, I'm all for that. I'm all for that as well. I'm all for that as well. Creates a civilian climate corps to work on environmental projects, uh, doing coastal restoration, forest management, all these good things that we're going to need to reduce flooding, fight forest fires, etc. I'm not. I'm. I'm maybe yeah, halfway I, through this I, list. I people, mean, it, it, it's a. It's a lot of. It does invest in people. Yes. And the climate. It. it none of it's radical. And that, that is the thing that I think the Democrats are missing here. Like, the, it, it's, it, it, it's not radical. These are all pretty common sense things right. to spend money on well, for people. For sure. I mean, but, I mean here's, here's where this all gets screwed up is, like, you've got the right has their own media outlets. The sort of centrist, neoliberal economist types they have their own media outlets. The left doesn't really have anything. We've got we got a few cool podcasts, and that's about it. Mostly um, this one. And so, yeah. So when we talk about something like this, where it's like this is like these would be center right policies in the vast majority of the yeah. developed world. Um, and these, here, these would be center right policies in right leaning places. Yes. Right. So, like, if you go to Serbia, which is not. You know, it's not Norway. Right. right. Like, you get family leave. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, like I feel like we almost, like, we need we need more, like, people are like, I want to end all private capital. Like, just, just to balance the equation. I like, guess. I don't agree with that, but. Right. Like, even Bernie Sanders, who's like, I don't like this. We don't get the, yeah. you know, you know, we get. Uh, you He's know, willing to use the word socialist. Fine. Yeah. Hearing aid's fine, but I, we don't get dental care in this. What, what the. You know, like, right. He's not that far well, and it's, left. And it's so much of it is, is, it's, it's the, the penny wise pound foolish thing, right? It's like, these are things yeah. where a little bit of money invested in a kid who's trying to get, you know, getting them a free preschool education means that they're less likely to be committing crimes, you know, 20 years down the line from that. Like, all these things are invaluable investments on a purely pragmatic value, even if you don't give a shit about human beings, <laughs> like for our society, for our economy, they yeah. all make a ton of sense. Yeah. Fuck Joe Manchin. Anyhow, uh, what else? He we does got? have a nice Maserati. So there's always this question: How do we pay for that, man? How do we pay? There are some very simple things, um, and I I actually think this is important to just think about and talk about. You know, yes, nominally small increase in corporate tax to uh, the second lowest level it's been in the last 70 years, 15%. Um, taxing a buyback, right? So, and so this happened a lot in the last few years where corporations bought back their stock because they had all of the surplus cash that they got from the government. Yeah. Right? So they got subsidies. They got all of these incentives. They, just, they had all this glut of cash when they were like, oh, my God, we're crying poor. And they bought back their stock. It's a good business practice. Fine. 
tacks that. Yeah. And that is just that is just a vig on the money that the government has loaned to them. Yes. Great idea. Second thing is enforcement of tax laws, especially on I would call them international tax scoff laws. Um, you know, like we find out in things like the Panama Papers and whatever the most recent papers were that nobody's going to care about, even though. But not the Facebook papers. Not the Panama Papers. papers. Uh, I don't remember the other one. Don't even want to talk about the meta. Um, <laughs> but really, enforcement of tax laws. Yeah. Which should be a no brainer. And when you see people pushing back, like, we don't need people enforcing these laws, well, then why do we have them? Right. Right? Like, eh. And then they're like, yeah, we shouldn't have them. And, and then, so of that's, course, that's there's the that big answer. piece about cutting military funding. Which is three times what... Oh, oh wait, no. No, right. we still have to do all that. No, no. no, that'll pass every time. Right, anyway. I, uh, the CBO... Can we, can we just start, like, you know, trying to get universal pre-K passed as part of the military budget? Like, is there anything to do with the military? No, but hey. Maybe if, if universal pre-K had a... You know, everybody had to be taught about how great the military is, they'd, they'd allow it. They, they're already taught that. Maybe we could... <laughs> Maybe we could <laughs> cut the military's marketing budget with the NFL. Right? Right? Uh, anyway. Anyhow. Anyway, uh, still positive. I'm still positive. And that's why I want to talk about. Especially as the Broncos beat the Cowboys this week. So that was great. That, Anyhow. I, I did like that. Can we talk about inflation a little bit? <laughs> Do we have no, to? No, we don't have to. <laughs> inflation is up. It's we bad. Can't. Inflation is up. It's bad. Well, you know, here's the thing. What we do not know yet is whether it is transient, right? Like, we think it's transient. Like, we think, okay, there have been supply chain issues. There's the, the, the great uh, resignation. resignation. Thank you. Um, um, the, uh, the 14% alcohol beer is starting to kick in. Um, there are things that are affecting how easily we can get things, and that causes inflation, right? So we expect that. Is it going to be better six months from now? Hopefully. Like, you Hopefully. know, people getting vaccinations, people getting vaccinations in China, other places are going to make a huge difference to improve this. Hopefully. But, you know, we don't know. We don't know. And so. And, and these are echoes of, you know, these are echoes of everything that started at the pandemic. Right. So supply. People don't recognize how interconnected everything is. And so, frankly, you know, people who ran the shipping lines and all, the, all of the logistic lines laid everybody off and didn't want to pay them because they thought they weren't going to make any money and they right. needed to make money. And so now when they had actual, so, so their capacity dried up. Yeah. And then they were like, ah, we got to do something about this. And everything was out of place. They didn't have anybody. They had to try to hire people. Although there's this weird perverse incentive here is that, well, they have to go hire people to do that. But like... They, in the meantime, jack up prices because basically people are competing for uh-huh. that that shipping, right? So it's like, yeah, they they could ship more. Um, I mean, at some point, like as many problems as capitalism has, the one thing it's generally speaking good at is here's a big pile of money that wants something to happen. People will figure out how to make that thing happen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. So I, I, you know, I don't know. I think I tend to be I tend to be on the it, the inflation is transient, and you know by early next year we're going to see that calm down. Yeah. Um, we could do another growler bet on that, but I don't think it's really. 
I don't yeah. want to know how expensive that growler will be. So Exactly. That could be a $200 bet. <laughs> no, it'll be fine because we're not getting chips from China to supply. Right. What's what's really so I grew up in Detroit and I'm just going to I'm going to toss this out there. It's anecdotal. This is I your understand. draft politics Michigan moment brought yeah, exactly. to you by EJ. <laughs> brought to you by Michigan. Yes, Michigan. Um, so if your map was a hand, Michigan, the there are hundreds of trucks, full-size pickup trucks, which are the highest margin vehicles that General Motors sells. Yes. Sitting in a parking lot of a, an abandoned plant that used to build microchips they could put in those trucks. Waiting for the, microchips. Waiting for those microchips. Okay. And right now the supply, average supply at dealerships is like 18 days or something like right. that. Um, somewhere between two and three weeks, which is absurd. Absurd. Yes. When they were like, oh, you know, when after 9-11, when there was a huge capacity, it was 6X that, right? So, yeah. so they always think about, you know, what's on the lot versus what's coming because you've got to produce vehicles at a certain rate and that sort of backlog rate a couple weeks. They measure it in weeks. Like, a healthy rate is six to ten weeks. Like, three weeks is super tight. Super tight. Yeah. Um, and, that again, that's why things are expensive. You can sell well, yeah, your car, your three-year-old car, for more than you paid for it now. Yeah. Cool. For no good reason. I mean, not cool, but cool. Um, well, and if you think about it, like, and, and, and so going back to the pandemic and all this, what happened was all of these car companies were like, well, nobody's buying cars, so we're going to stop ordering chips. And so all the companies that are making chips are like, well, we need to find somebody who will buy our chips. And it turned out a bunch of people buying laptops, et cetera, et cetera. And like, they found other people to buy their chips. Well, so now those car companies are like, cool, we need more chips. And they're like, well, but also. <laughs> New phone, who dis? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the other part of that is that where a lot of those chips are manufactured, they locked the cities down. Right? So, uh, yeah. And that, that and yeah, yeah. Or locked people. Well, out and there was of also, cities. and there's even a climate change effect in I forget where where it was. One of the chip plants, uh, TSMC, one of their big chip plants, has been having issues because climate change has been affecting, like, the water supply. It was I think it was the water supply that they use because apparently you need a lot of water you do. when you're making chips. I would. Why not? I love the irony of that though. Thirsty like, chips. You know what? I do not want in my laptop water. But I need a lot of water to make the things that are in my laptop. It's like you go to the dentist. You go to the dentist, and what's the first thing they got to do whenever they do any procedure? Get all the water out of your mouth. Like, have you met a mouth? None of that makes any sense. And then they have the, the water gun. Yes. You know yeah. it's going to hurt. Then gonna, yeah, and then they spray the, yeah. Yes. Super cold water yes. on that cold spot. Oh, anyway. Dentist appointment coming up soon. First time since the pandemic. So there we go. Hopefully I've got all my teeth. All right. <laughs> 14% alcohol, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, uh, we were going to um, talk about the Supreme about Court. About halfway through it. Let's not talk about the Supreme Court. We'll pick it up next time. Oh, man. Uh, I will say it's weird when you hear questions from Supreme Court justices that you hate that are the same questions you would have asked. We'll put, put that aside. COVID, this is really important. Yes. Five through twelve-year-olds in the U.S. can get shots. Yep, yep, yep. And everybody shots, shots, shots. I, I still think LMFAO 
has missed out on a huge marketing opportunity this whole time. Like, but, that should have been, like, the ad campaign for Moderna. Although Moderna did not need an ad campaign, very clearly. Right. Well, but Moderna's <laughs> not in that group, so it's just the Pfizer shot for the 5 through 12s. Right. For now. For now. I, mean, for assume, now. I assume that'll it, expand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, so this is, this is a really interesting thing. So my, uh, I've got, a, I've got a, a kid who's 12 as of yesterday, but was not 12 as of when they allowed the shots. Right, right. And so we had this big debate. Do you get your kid the shot? It wasn't a debate about whether or not we got the kid the shot. Yeah. Because, hey, look, we're all in this together. So if the shot doesn't do anything, it's not going to do anything for you either. But we would like that. So, But, no, we're all, we're all going to get the shot. Um, and the big debate was, do we wait until he's 12? And we decided, no, it's better just do it right away. And we asked his physician, okay. So let's just say they approve the vaccine for 11-year-olds the week before he turns 12. Should we get it? We think we should. Physician, yes. Okay. Second dose. Which dose is it? Is it the kid dose or is it the above 12 dose? Crickets. Yeah. Nobody knows. No, of course not. And it's I th- I, honestly, I think the correct answer was get the adult dose both times and lie. But... <laughs> But hey, not my kid. So we didn't. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't. By the way, I, yeah, and I and I respect that. Yeah. Um, um, so it, it I was I, I was that kid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, like I, these are these are the rules, man. <laughs> um, and we've talked a lot on this uh, on the podcast about CPS and how they're reporting things, and it's not good. It's still not good. Yeah. And you know, I think like most you know most mediocre organizations. They've waited it out until they're kind of off the hook. So, you know, I, my hope is that they start making the vaccine very available to kids. Yeah. In, in you know, elementary school whose parents might not have the availability to get them to a Walgreens at 6 p.m. or whatever yeah, to get it. For sure. Um, I mean, they were doing the, the effort to go out and, like, actually go to people's houses and basically be like, want one and so you know presumably that they could take that approach um but this means that your family is fully vaccinated or they they have at least gotten one shot down we're on the road yeah yeah we're on the road so and and that makes me feel good i mean it's uh um, and look at you with your three i've had three shots aren't i fancy hey look man it's uh i was talking to my parents and it's still it's not zero risk right yeah even with you know, three shots. I did see what I thought was very funny. Getting my kid's first shot, I saw an elderly couple in a, a Walgreens trying to get their booster without any documentation of anything. No masks on. Kind of <laughs> demanding that they get their booster. And I was like, are you really that worried? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Um, but everybody should get it. Yeah. Everybody should get it. Yeah. Yeah. And no, is agreed. there a winter wave approaching? I'm going to say yes. yes. Um, you know, well, here's the thing. I, I, and there was an article I was reading today, um, which honestly I don't think added a lot of useful information. But, but generally was talking about, like, kind of what the, what we're, where we're at now, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, so we've got to the point that kids over the age of five now yeah. can get the vaccine. Shots for five plus. Um, presumably under five will we'll follow before we'll still too long. still just get Malort. Yeah. Um, 
But like the future of COVID in this country is basically what we're starting to see now, which is that it's going to be out there. You're going to have people who did not get vaccinated who will get more severe consequences from it. People who are vaccinated will sometimes get it. Um, generally speaking, they will have mild symptoms and, and will be just fine. Um, I, I would say we always should qualify the word mild. Mild doesn't mean your life doesn't suck for a few days. It just means you're not me, intubated. Basically, uh, let, let, me, let me put it more specifically. It turns COVID into the flu instead of COVID. Right. <laughs> Like you're going to, you might, well, first of all, you might not feel anything. Yeah. You might feel really shitty. I mean, it's like when you get the flu vaccine, I have gotten the flu vaccine every year for the last probably 10 years. Okay. I have in that time, I actually had no idea what the flu really was until I started getting the flu vaccine. And then I'm like, oh, that was the flu because I wasn't getting it anymore. Right. And it was like and it wasn't happening, you know, but I mean, ultimately, it depends on your personal immune system and, and how you do it. But people aren't going to be generally speaking, people aren't going to be dying from it. Generally speaking, they're not going to be having severe, you know, long term yeah. outcomes from it. It's going to happen that some people do, but we can go back to a world where we're aware of this. We're tracking it. Yeah. But you can go to a concert's. You know, and, 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 you know, and I can see a situation where maybe some variant is finally getting past the vaccines at some point and we have to change our perspective on things. But on the other hand, maybe that never happens. May, uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, look, can we look at tests are up? You know, positivity is up, but it's only clearly, two, 2. clearly 2. from the yes, I mean. Oh, that's we were, the good positivity, yeah. not the bad positivity. Right, right. I mean, there was a time when we were like, I can't wait till we're under 5%. Yeah. So we're at 2. Well, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, I mean, we're up. We're having an uptick here in Chicago, which shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, like I said, we are in, we're our first indoor beer drinking for this podcast. Um, if the weather was nicer, we would be outside. But alas, it alas. is that time of year. Um, hopefully we've achieved a high enough vaccination rate here in Chicago that we're not going to see a big uptick. Yeah. Like, you know, like what they saw. Well, like what Florida, I mean, Florida's vaccination rate was not that much different than, than Illinois. But they saw a big spike relative to what we saw here. Yeah. And by the way, the trivia night is kicking off in the background. Is, so if you hear a lot of whooping and celebration, it is not because they think our podcast is great. Though that may also be true. That may be. Yeah. Anyway, so one last final note before we wrap up today. It's about Chicago's ward maps. Oh, so yes, We all yes. know redistricting is happening. It's time for us to kind of rethink the wards here in Chicago. And I bring this in right at the end for those people who weren't looking for Chicago stuff. So the maps need to be redrawn. And it's got to be approved by the people who need to get reelected. And... Some really interesting proposals out there thinking about making uh, Chicago's first Asian-American-centric ward. Um, some other balancing of wards based on ethnicity. But nobody wants to make a stand right now. And the kind of working theory is that it's being delayed intentionally so that non-incumbents don't know if they're going to be in a favorable ward. 
which is super So as much as the machine is not really as much of a thing anymore, the, the same shenanigans still occur. <laughs> yeah, there, I, it, it is really interesting. I was talking to some people who have uh, former aldermen, people who are thinking about running, and they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going to run. I don't know what my district is going to look like. Illinois' maps have been submitted but haven't been approved. They're, you know, so we'll figure out what that is. I know some people in the same kind of state, no pun intended, with, you know, those rep positions, right? Like, what am I going to do? Um, redistricting is taking a long time, and the longer that redistricting takes, the less likely it is that a challenger will win. Right, because they just don't have yeah. the time to get yeah. get a campaign up and running. So yeah, so that's, uh, that's this. We it has been a while since we've recorded. Uh, so you know we're, we're we're catching up a little bit here. Uh, we'll try to be a little more regular, but you know life's uh, foibles uh, life can get life. in the way. Exactly, life life is life. In fact, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for keeping up with the podcast here for episode. 73 as far as i can tell uh we're gonna sign but off I promise and to be back soon yeah we'll try to be back soon uh maybe we're gonna go participate in this trivia night who knows uh but take care everybody take care bye-bye